Welcome to Dawn Patrol, the 30A morning show. Good morning! Presented by 38 Cottages and Concierge. Yeah! <laughs> Online, 38cottages.com. All right, good morning, everybody. It's Dawn Patrol. We've got a really great show this week. We're going to dive back into some 80s music this week because we've got Alan Hunter. He's from Birmingham, Alabama, originally, but you may know him as a guy from MTV from 1981. He went on the air first, and he began the VJ generation. Alan, how are you? Wow, it's so great to be talking to somebody who's in a warmer climb since I'm in 13-degree weather here in Chicago. Growing up, MTV was it, right? I mean, we don't have YouTube, and we don't have Google, and we can't look up all these artists and follow them on Twitter, you guys were the ones that really came on air and started telling us stories about our favorite musicians. Yeah, we didn't have the internet back in the 80s, did we? No, I don't think so. Uh, well, I think MTV was the first sort of musical unifying thing in the country. I mean, you had uh, pop radio and, and uh, top 40 radio. And you had different radio stations throughout the country. There wasn't even a whole lot of syndicated radio back then. So everybody in every little different town in America was listening to their own brand of music. And MTV came along and for better or for worse, kind of homogenized things over the years, you know. The kid in Iowa now was listening to the same thing that a kid in New York City or L.A. was listening to. So it kind of, uh, it made people feel bonded, at least. And certainly kids in the middle of, middle of America felt like they were, could be as hip as somebody in a big city. Exactly. Now, when was the first time you picked up a microphone and thought this was a good idea? <laughs> you mean to be in radio or to be a... Uh, uh... All the above. <laughs> well, you know, I wasn't in radio. I was trying to be an actor in New York. In fact, I'd been up there. I went to drama school and uh, I had just got through doing a new wave punk rock version of Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream in a Lower East Side off-off Broadway show. I was a dancer in the spirit of the forest. It was really weird. It's very funny. And that's that's an ongoing show. It's in its 35th <laughs> year, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It was a real big hit. But look, you know, I was doing various things like bit parts in movies. I was in Annie. If you steal the frame in your DVD, you can catch me as one of the, uh, the guys in Radio City. I also had been uh, in a David Bowie video, Fashion, just uh, as one of the the characters in the video. So funny enough about that, it was two months before I got the gig at MTV. I at least knew what videos were. And they, at that point, would play on Midnight Special with Wolfman Jack. So when someone approached me and said, you want to audition for this thing that will play videos 24 hours a day, I knew what videos were. Right. But no one had any concept of how it was going to turn out. It, it goes on air in 1981. And was it just scary? Or was it like... <laughs> I mean, tell me about the process. You guys probably had meetings and meetings, and hey, we're going to go on and talk about videos, and what was in the back of your head? Yeah, well, it's probably a good thing that I got hired only three weeks prior to <laughs> launch. Everybody else had been on board a couple of months. I think uh, JJ, Mark, maybe the first ones, because they were, you know, they were in radio, and they had some recognition, so they knew what they were doing. Uh, and I was the last one to get hired, I think, because they just gave up. It's like they had looked for a year, they looked, at, you know, across the country, worldwide, and they finally just decided, you know, we just got to go with this dumb blonde kid from the south <laughs> nice that's fun <laughs> we're running out of time we need a fifth vj so uh you know as much as i wasn't a dj i wasn't in the business i loved music so it was easy for me to be enthusiastic about it although not easy for me to sit in front of a camera and talk extemporaneously about you know what i loved i was an actor give me a script right so it was a bit terrifying that ride the only thing that saved me was that one they gave me some money for some new clothes and i knew i was getting a paycheck you know before that i was bartending and waiting tables and wondering how I was going to make a living in New York. So I was so happy just to, to have some, you know, solidity for a couple of months anyway that... 
but it definitely it was definitely um, exciting and um, but but head spinning and it was so fast and such a furious pace up until the show that we recorded for that August first debut that we didn't really have much time to think about it. It's kind of like jumping out of the helicopter in the middle of the battle. You don't have time to think about it. You just start shooting. That's right. We're with Alan Hunter. He is the host of the 80s on 8 on Sirius XM. You can listen to him every day. Is that correct? Every day in the afternoon. I'm also on Classic Rewind Channel 25 for uh, you know kind of straight head rock and roll. That's at night. So, yeah. So what was Alan listening to in 1980? What was your favorite music back in 80? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was I was a bit of a jazz fanatic, kind of jazz fusion. I like things like, well, gosh, I like Pat Metheny, Brothers Johnson, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. Definitely was listening to rock and roll, but not steeped in The Who and Def Leppard and The Stones, as much as my brothers listened to that stuff. I was starting to move into the new age world. I'm starting to listen to what was happening over in Britain, although you couldn't really hear it that much. Yeah. You know, in 1980, no radio was playing it so I was listening to some import stuff I remember the first time I was I think it was a live New Year's Eve show early on and uh, someone said hey uh, what kind of music were you listening to when you came on I said I don't know James Taylor (laughs) like really? (laughs) Yeah and so you move forward to 1981 and you're listening to everything you have to be the yeah. expert on pretty much anything you're putting on air do you remember the first song that's a horrible trivia question it's a, it's so easy it's ridiculous isn't it? it it is it was video kill the radio star but do you remember two through five the next four videos that you guys played on air i remember the next one pat benatar of course yes. you better run was number two and that was the first female on the air that was the first guitar ever on mtv yeah but but i don't remember number three and four if i, I swear said, if i said rod stewart what was the song <laughs> That's a good question. But, you know, there were like 10 Rod Stewart videos yeah, the first day. There really were. It was uh, She Won't Dance With Me. And oh, that's was, right. That's it right. followed up with The Who. That's, of course, yeah. that's a good one. Everybody you better you bet, maybe? Yeah, it was. Exactly, it was. And then uh, PhD, do you remember that song? Absolutely. That You know, uh, <laughs> the catalog for MTV early on was probably not much more than 200 videos. Yeah. Because uh, they really started by the seat of their pants and record companies were not on board at all. They didn't believe in this thing. They thought they were giving us free programming and bitched and moaned about it the whole time. But uh, that's the reason you had 10 Rod Stewart videos, 8 Pat Benatar videos, and a bunch of other crap no one had ever heard of. Um, but that the magic of it was also that MTV wasn't selling any commercials. They were n- literally not able to sell ad time on it because nobody knew what it was. <laughs> And, you know, in between videos, occasionally get the spaceman floating, just stock footage of NASA stuff. Yep. And people thought that was great. It was like such a moody, atmospheric thing. No commercials. And then, you know, almost a year into it, they started selling ads. People started seeing Skittles commercials and coming up to us and saying, man, MTV sold out, man. Now they're selling commercials. <laughs> it's like, dude, no, we're finally selling commercials and paying my salary. That's right. Like, so we're going to take a quick break. But, yeah, let's go flashback to your first song. We'll play the, the Buggle. Is that right? Gives me goosebumps every time. You remember what the guy said as the rocket blasted off? Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is rock and roll. This is rock and roll. That's right. So we're going to play that. We'll be right back with Alan Hunter on Dawn Patrol in just a second.
All right, we're back on Dawn Patrol. It's flashback to the 80s week on 38 Radio, and I've got Alan Hunter. He is with SiriusXM. You can always hear him on the 80s on 8, and he was the first VJ on MTV. So let's talk about our area here. You really like 38. Well, I grew up on, on the beach down there. I mean, I was from Birmingham, and we traveled every summer to Laguna Beach, which is sort of in between where you are in Panama City. And, you know, back then it was truly the Redneck Riviera. It really was. It earned its name then. It was, uh, it was, you know, people had beach houses, not beach homes. They had little cabins with fans and no air conditioning. And so it was magic to me. I mean, we went to, we made a pilgrimage every year down there. So when I moved away to New York and Los Angeles for 20 years, it was difficult to get to the beach, but occasionally I, I made it down there. My father had a place at Destin, a mainsail for many mm-hmm. years. We'd yep. come down there and, and slum it there. But so I have great fond memories of the place. Watch, I've watched it grow up, you know, from Destin on over the years. Um, and I remember, though, when I got invited to come down there probably 10 years ago by a guy associated with uh, 30A, our dear buddy Mike Ragsdale. Did he ever yeah. make it on the show, Mike? Uh, he was on last week. <laughs> he and you guys, you're a fixture down there. What I love about it is the small town feeling of 30A. But, you know, I knew what 30A was when I was growing up, but the, the, how 30A has grown and what it's become. When I went down there 10 years ago, it was jaw-dropping to me. Mm-hmm. It was like, holy cow, I went to Alice Beach for the graffiti festival. I was like, I didn't know this existed. This is like uh, Saudi princes coming down to this area of the, of the world, you know, to, to vacation now. So the development with Rosemary Beach and, and Seaside certainly has long been famous. But uh, I was pretty amazed and have really fallen in love with it over the years. We've come down there almost every summer, uh, whether it's Seaside or Rosemary or, or Alice Beach occasionally. And when I stay at Alice Beach, of course, I stay... Uh, in the, the janitor's closet down there. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that for and, a second. And I, I sneak into Caliza and uh, and act like I've got a place. You're like waving at people. Hey, it's oh, Alan. I'm Alan. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But, uh, but we don't have a favorite. We kind of move around, you know, whether it's a little condo on the beach or or uh, a place at Seaside or something, Seagrove, whatever. We, we were down at Seagrove this past summer. Seagrove's and uh, it was kind of the vacation from heck. Uh, God bless him, our little six-year-old who was five at the time we were 10 minutes into the condo dad was loading the luggage into the condo he slips falls hits his head on the balcony and we had to go to sacred heart hospital for 20 stitches in his forehead (laughs) so he couldn't go into the ocean for two weeks that we were down there slow down and he just (laughs) stared at it so the the uh, the trip meant that we had to go play a lot of goofy golf down at pc there you go yeah there's always something to do on land definitely yeah yeah all right yeah, so so you're you're uh, got a new book. It's not it's not real new, but it's uh, the Unplugged Adventures of MTV's First Wave. What 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 is so cool about looking back and being able to write a book like that? Well, you know, we've been trying to write something for a long time. I've been sort of spearheading it with my buddies Mark and Ian and Martha, uh, and and probably ten years ago I started. We actually started getting offers and thinking about doing a movie of the early days of MTV, and, and I could never find a good script. We could never find a good kind of story to tell without it being cliche. Anybody who's done movies about the 80s, uh, it's all been very caricature, you know, bright clothes and silly stuff and frivolous. And we wanted our movie or story to be as cutting edge as, as MTV was back in the day. You know, MTV was truly leading the edge for a long time. And we wanted whatever product came out nowadays to be that, but we couldn't find a way that wasn't caricature. So it took us a while. Finally got a great writer from Rolling Stone 
to uh, to tell the tale, to help us tell the tale. And we decided it would be an oral history and not some sort of narrative about it. And uh, we finally got it got it done two years ago. I guess it came out, what, a year and a half ago maybe? Yep. And uh, um, it was a little scary for us because to put our stories out there finally. I mean, you know, we might all have seemed like we were massive egos and superstar celebrity types, but <laughs> we're all actually very humble when it comes down to it. And telling our tale didn't make sense because when we were there as VJs, we were the purveyors of the creative, of the music. It wasn't our story. It was really the music that we were playing. So to come out from behind the, the scenes, so to speak, and to tell the, the anecdotes, the good and the bad and the ugly, and certainly in the book there's a lot of uh, a lot of vulnerability from each of us, was not easy, but uh, tons of fun, and the fans seem to have um, have appreciated it. That's awesome, Alan. Thanks for joining us today on Dawn Patrol. And uh, I'm a, obviously from the 80s. I watched you guys come on air. And I, I have artists in my head that I just remember seeing come on air the time span that you were there. Uh, what was your first encounter with an artist? What was your first big interview? Well, my first interview period was with the Psychedelic Furs, and uh, which was right up my alley because I was very into the new wave. Uh-huh. I studied really hard for it, pre- prepared for it, went to see their show the night before the interview. They were in New York, and I think it was at the Roxy or the Ritz. I forget. But the ticket said 1130 doors open, so I was there at 1135, <laughs> and only to wait until like 130 in the morning for the show to start. I was like, oh, I see. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little naive with club going here in New York. <laughs> And then I had to get up at 10 o'clock in the morning to interview them. Well, you know, the artist can roll in uh, with sunglasses and hungover, but the host has got to be sort of in good shape. So I was, it was tough, but I loved Richard Butler and I loved the psych first. You know, from there, it went into the Ozzy Osbournes. He was my first weird interview. <laughs> it was great, ultimately, but uh, from Frank Zappa to Billy Joel to Kenny Loggins, you know, it was kind of the cavalcade. And then it became... More than just you know, music artist. It was Tom Cruise and Kevin Bacon. It was Hollywood uh, coming on to uh, hawk their wares. So it was kind of the epicenter of entertainment at the time. It was just tons of fun. Were there times that you didn't know who was coming in that day? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we there was five of us, including the late great J.J. Jackson, and we each had our shift time. So we, if my shift was in the morning, I would be finished and maybe. Uh, hang around the studio a little bit. Maybe I had a shift to do in the afternoon as well. But in between, it could be J.J. interviewing Robert Plant, his entourage comes down, or it could be, you know, somebody, uh, it could be Dan Aykroyd and, and uh, you know, talking about the Blues Brothers. So the MTV Studios became kind of a hub. You know, you know, Andy Warhol would bring Duran Duran down just to hang around. Wow. Um, so it became the place for people to just hang. I would sit... After uh, Peter Wolf of the Jay Giles Band would finish up with a guest DJ bit, and everybody wanted to be a guest VJ. But afterwards, he'd come and sit with me in my dressing room and, and give me advice on love and working with the man. And, and it, was just, it was just crazy. It was fun times. All right, let's, let's name drop right now. I'm going to throw some names out here. And, uh, you know, in a minute, tell me your, your funniest encounter with them. You mean if I met them or not? Because I lie a lot. <laughs> That's People funny. go, hey, man, did you meet? And I go, yeah. All right, I got one. I, I'm pretty sure you did uh, meet, but I heard you almost turned her down. Madonna. <laughs> yeah, that story is fun. Sitting uh, in in the green room after a shift, and the producer runs in like they always do and say, "Hey, I got to get somebody to interview Madonna tonight." And we were like, "Madonna, you mean the one who does Borderline?" Oh. And uh, the two others, I think it was Martha and Nina, were like, "I got something to do tonight," and I was the last one who who uh, could not think of anything. So I went down to the Limelight, a big dance club in New York, and interviewed her. Um, 
kind of in the chaos of backstage before she was going on. And uh, one of those, you know, uh, sort of in the field interviews, quick five, 10 minutes, probably. But in that 10 minutes, I'll tell you, that was a woman possessed with her future. She totally knew what she wanted to do. She had no superfluous words. She was really nice. I wouldn't call her sweet, but um, um, fire in her eyes. It was amazing. Uh, Shorter than you might expect. Exactly. <laughs> uh, she kind of ties into the next two I have. Uh, the Run DMCs and the Beastie Boys. You, how, did, how did that go? Well, when the Beasties came through, they were just, they were sweethearts. Absolute sweethearts. And uh, they came down with a pretty good entourage, as I remember. And I can't remember. I think Mark interviewed Adam and, and the boys. And, uh, but they kind of adopted MTV as well. I think they even came down one time with, uh, with as a matter of fact, Andy Warhol. Uh, but, you know, when, when they started coming along, I guess they were 85, 86 maybe. Yeah, yeah. And you started to get into Yo! MTV Raft was 1987. So that was towards the end of our tenure there. But the beginning of the new MTV, which started to embrace a lot of different types of music, including rap. So Dr. Dre and Ed oh, Lover yeah. would come in. Uh, it was kind of like we were crossing over and, and giving the baton to them and the, and the new generation. It was a little sad because I wanted to be a part of that as well. But it, it totally it totally made sense. They were, they've definitely hipped the place up. Because MTV, you know, 84, 85, MTV started becoming so mainstream. Yeah. And people started, you know, giving it, uh, giving it the shaft because, well, now it was the big commercial behemoth that it was. That it needed some revitalization and no doubt uh, rap did that. Is there any truth to the rumor that uh, when you left in 87, it was because you refused to do the Ed Lover dance? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I was embracing the Ed Lover dance. I love the Ed Lover dance. You know, I wish I'd stayed a year longer, to be honest. I had uh, two years to go on my contract. I was the last one to get, like, a re-up on being a VJ. I got a huge salary bump. I was the highest paid one there. I'd just gotten through doing Amok in America, which is that track across the U.S. for 30 days where we all got blitz. It was kind of the early road rules. We were the first sort of reality TV stuff going on. Yeah. And uh, they upped my contract, gave me three years. So I was all about it. But in 87, Mark and I looked at each other right before we uh, had another year to go and said, are we going to be VJs forever? <laughs> we can't. So we got to move on. So we kind of forced ourselves to uh, to say no to MTV, which I think we were the only two to say no. Right. And uh, and moved on. Now, of course, I moved out to L.A. in 87, 88, right when the writers went on strike and Hollywood shut down for a year. So I learned to play golf through my tears. All right. <laughs> like, damn it. Should have hung on longer. That's good. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, what artists today do you think we'll be talking about in 20 years kind of like bowie and jagger and madonna and the beastie boys i mean uh, to yeah. give me give me two or three that are out today that you feel is gonna hold the same stature in about 20 years from now well it's hard to say about taylor swift but i think she has um, the same kind of legs that madonna has and that she knows who she is she knows the empire that she kind of wants to build um, so I'd say that she has as good a chance as anybody to make it for a long time. I think she'll be a shapeshifter. She'll learn, you know, she'll go into different genres of music. I doubt she'll do rap, but, um, you know, will, will a Sam Smith, yeah. uh, last, I think he's a, a terrific talent. Um, will he morph into different genres of music? I don't know. I think it's all about having to be flexible. Unfortunately, these days, hard to stay true to yourself like the stones and, uh, and continue to keep an audience going and will anybody have the kind of staying power that early rockers had right you know that the stones and and uh, and you two 
the kinks to a certain extent that have been around for 50 years. Will anybody be around that long? I don't, I don't think so. I think everybody's going to have a shorter shelf life um, for sure. Um, you know, because Ed Sheeran and the, and, um, and the new kid Hozier and, mm-hmm. and these types of singer-songwriters, Mumford & Sons even, um, I think music is going to change so quickly that it will be difficult for them to uh, put on a new skin. Um, and, and some would say that Madonna has not put on a new skin. For God's sake, she just keeps showing it. That's funny. <laughs> on the Grammys, I mean, even I have said I thought that was one of the weaker performances. Yeah. Aside from Eric Church, by the way, and 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 I, and I like some country music, but God, I thought it was a rotten performance. He couldn't sing, but Madonna was just—I just thought it was like, damn woman. Indeed, I'm saying now, act your age. You know, take get do the Katy Perry Beyonce thing. Get the choir and just stand there. Yeah. Uh, what's so, the so, What's the song from the '80s that set us up for what we're listening to today on the radio? Oh wow! You know, I think there's there's certainly a lot of uh, there's music out there, and I think it would be in the pop genre that uh, that uh, pays homage to the '80s. Uh, you know, no doubt Katy Perry would have been a great success back in the MTV days. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you can't say the same for the Adele's of the world, and I can't wait for her next record. I mean, they're going back to the '60s, you know, in classic music. Uh, Lady Gaga, I certainly would mention, uh, is a real shapeshifter, and I think she's one of the most talented we got. If She's going to have longevity for sure. And she would have enjoyed being in the 80s because she's a, she's a, she loves the theater. Yeah. And uh, and she likes to put on makeup. And uh, she would have fit right in, but she's got a great voice at the same time and also a good head on her shoulder. She's kind of like Madonna in that she definitely knows how to put a team together and how to build you know a brand and an empire. Kind of like a Bjork. Bjork, God, I love her. Her, her. her latest album is really sublime. Yeah, it's good. And, uh, she is. She's crazy good. I, I listen it. to a lot of different types of music. I mean, my my you know my iPad or my Spotify or whatever is is on shuttle, and I, I like listening to a lot of stuff. We do too. What's the one artist that you really wish would just go away next week? <laughs> Kanye West. <laughs> hey, that's a good answer. Ding, ding. We all agree. We all agree. Uh, not, not that I don't think he's talented, but yeah, what a jerk. What yeah, a jerk. That's funny. Um, but, but you know, we have to suffer jerks. In the land of creativity, uh, you know, sometimes I don't give a hoot what you're like personally if you're producing good stuff, as so long as you don't hurt anybody. You know, the one thing uh, that we could do collectively as media is just take the microphone away from him. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they're selling a lot of music or product or films or whatever, they can be eccentric all day long. You will notice that a lot of people in the entertainment business, though, are a lot more media friendly and a lot, and a lot seemingly nicer on the outside than they used to be. You long ago, you you could uh, your eccentricities and your bugaboos were tolerated. Nowadays, not so much. Yeah, uh, we like bad we like bad boys and girls, but uh, the land of Twitter and social media can be awfully harsh to them that don't hold the road. I don't think that's a good thing necessarily. No, social media. Don't get me started on that. You know, it's it's made everybody <laughs> homogenize. It's made everybody um, think too much. I mean, look, God's sakes, Justin Bieber. You know, will he implode? Will he last? I think he's going to have a terrible transition now. Try to figure out how to grow up. Yeah. But in a way, I kind of like, I kind of like his BS. Yeah, you kind of, you're like, what's he gonna do today? <laughs> I mean, how many artists do we get that truly derail in front of our eyes? And he's one of them. If there's two artists that really need to get together and do a reality show, it's Miley and uh, uh, <laughs> Justin oh, yeah. Bieber. My, That'd be Miley great. as well. Well, you know, there needs to be a whole new industry of uh, 
of counselor types, you know, <laughs> people who build companies built on helping young artists, you know, stay out of trouble. Um, let's talk about uh, our last bit here. Um, the MTV experience during spring break. Where did that come from? Uh, yeah, well, so I guess it was Daytona was the first, right? Yeah, I remember that. I actually night. stayed. Do you remember the hotel that you guys were at? Oh, my God, no. Uh, but I do remember the smell. I think I stayed at the hotel that you guys actually filmed because I remember seeing the, it was like the, it was an Aztec-sounding hotel or yeah, something. Yeah, I and do remember the Aztec it was, architecture. It was right next to the pier, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, because I stayed at this hotel. It still smelled like spring break 1980s. Uh, yeah, well, I have a sense of memory every time I think of spring break. It's uh, stale beer and and the uh, Hawaiian Tropic suntan lotion. Yeah, there were gaps in the doors. You could. Oh, my God. Yeah, you could not shut your door. But uh, tell me about that experience because it ended up shifting to our area but it started in Daytona and now it's like spring break capital of the world is Panama City Beach yeah well it went to Daytona Fort Lauderdale I think we did one show in Fort Lauderdale as yep. well then then it went down to Cancun and stuff yep. for MTV you know that was part of MTV's continuing parameter shift into lifestyle and not just music I mean my road trip in 86 was uh, let's do things that are interesting in the life of people that love MTV, not just the music. So broadening the horizons and going places and doing stuff, Spring Break was that. I was the one who got tapped to do it because I like being out of the studio, futzing with people. So 86 Spring Break Daytona, I had just had a, a, a kid. He was a couple of months old or a half a year, I can't remember. And there I am interviewing 10 almost naked Hawaiian tropic models <laughs> on the stage outside that hotel you just said. And my wife is up on a platform uh, with our son, holding him up like the Lion King, swaying him back and forth <laughs> as I look up, sort of to remind me of where my roots were, you know, and it was a shattering experience for me. Wow. That, that whole world, the last year for me was so difficult because I was sort of transitioning into being a family man and loving it, but still had this job that was all about being bonzo and truly being in the head of, of um, you know, edgy stuff. And uh, so it was a difficult, uh, difficult thing for me. But spring break was fun for a week. And then after that, I totally had to decompress because it was so intense. Because, you know, I was literally in the middle of a thousand drunk college, predominantly men, pouring beer on my head, trying to do live TV. And uh, that taught me how to do and to think straight uh, in the middle of chaos. I don't want to go to war, don't want to shoot a gun or be shot at, but I, I could have been a good warrior because I, I was good under fire. <laughs> so. Was it the Mayan in? Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> that's uh, I knew it was I the hotel. I think that's it. You're Googling it right now. I did, and it's I, there's a pool on the back deck that was just not even worthy of getting in in oh 2014. Well, you know, the, the economy of Daytona for the few years that MTV was there, and this is the same for any city that the MTV went to for those kind of things, you know, boomed and then busted. MTV leaves, and they, they almost shuttered the doors. <laughs> yeah, Fort Lauderdale actually built. Uh, they wouldn't let you park on the road anymore. They like built up the roadways so you couldn't park on the side of the road to get MTV uh, or the Spring Breakers out of there. Uh, it truly gives me the highs. We did one, I think, the next year where I rode down uh, from Ohio University. It was either Ohio State or, or Ohio U with college students to go to Spring Break, and we did like a you know a two day trip with them, and I interviewed them the whole way. And we got down there, and I remember one night before Spring Break started, it was late. And I couldn't go to sleep, so I was trying to hunt the those all those people down, some of the professors and teachers and the kids, to see if they had a party going on. 
And uh, I roamed the, the, the hotel, wherever it was, uh, only at three or four in the morning to realize that they were in an entirely different hotel. So <laughs> if people would see me going, hey, isn't that Alan Hunter from MTV just kind of wandering the halls? That's kind of creepy. Yeah, I think I was drunk. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and that, uh, those were the days. And well, they're all written in that book. By the way, we are working on the TV series. Oh, great. Uh, we believe that there is a, uh, a series idea behind the, uh, the early days, not just the early days, but sort of the 80s. Yeah. You know, and the, the culture and the times. MTV was sort of in the middle of all of it. Um, but we want it to be sort of a serious examination of the times. And we're working with Fox Studios and a production company to, uh, to flesh that idea out. So we'll see. Alan, do it because people from the 80s rule the world right now. <laughs> it seems to be pretty big, doesn't it? That's pretty good. That's Alan Hunter, uh, the first MTV VJ. He's also on Sirius XM, 80s on 8. Make sure you just uh, listen to the 80s, man. It's just good stuff. Alan, oh, really, it. hey, get back down here. Let's do the next show from Bud and Alley's, okay? If y'all will have me down there at 30A, I'm coming next summer for sure. And Come. yes to, to Bud and Alley's and everywhere else. All right, well, we'll, we'll uh, anticipate an uh, email saying we're going to be there next week and we'll set up a show with you. Fantastic. Alan, thank you so much. That was Dawn Patrol, and we appreciate Alan Hunter, uh, the first MTV VJ, for being on air with us. Thanks, Al. Thank you, Corey. Dawn Patrol, presented by 38 Cottages and Concierge, with properties in Rosemary Beach, Seacrest, Seagrove, Seaside, and Watercolor. Unpack, relax, and forget where you're from. 38cottages.com. 